This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. I've learned over the last several years that brushing tough things under the rug isn't the best solution. In order to move forward, we have to be able to let go of the past. Valeria Tellis interviews Catherine Nichol, the author of The Lightbulb Moments Journal, your guide to experience clarity and light up the world. Before Catherine became a copywriting sensation and influential storyteller, she was overcoming her own incredible challenges. From pregnancy and life in a teenage mom home at age 15, to a thriving career in social work, to sudden paralyzation that led to intense pain, pessimism, and six-figure debt. Catherine's success story is the stuff movies are made of. Today, she's a hotly pursued storyteller, content creator, and ghostwriter, helping CEOs, entrepreneurs, and influencers use their voice to make an impact. She uses her special talent for transforming fact and circumstance into compelling words as the ghostwriter of several books, thousands of blog posts, emails, sales pages, and more. She's a Huffington Post contributor, thought leader for international brands, and nominated for the 2019 and 2020 Women of Influence Awards, recognizing successful women's achievements. Catherine speaks on copywriting and social influence, hosts the Storyteller Cafe and the Lightbulb League, a community dedicated to supporting others through a variety of mindset mediums to improve and experience clarity to light up the world. Her newly published Lightbulb Moments Journal, co-authored with Tim Holmes, has been a hot new seller internationally on Amazon and is helping people create lightbulb moments through guided journaling. Meet Catherine at CatherineNichol.com. Here is the interview with Catherine Nichol. In your own words, who is Catherine Nichol? Catherine Nichol is, wow, <laughs> we just jump right in there. Um, first and foremost, I am a mother and an entrepreneur just really looking to help people use their voice to make an impact. When you say use their voice, what do you mean by that? In all areas, I mean, historically, professionally, in social work, it was about advocating for people, helping them, specifically youth, advocate for themselves. And since transitioning from that over the past five and a half years, is working with everyday people like you and I use their voice intentionally and for good and for living a better life and a life of intention. So with that in mind, how did you find your intentional and authentic voice? 
through a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> um, I mean, being true to social work, especially when working with a, you know, a vulnerable population, you're teaching them that it's okay to be them and it's okay to be themselves. And then as a result, it's important, in my opinion, that we practice what we preach. So the first official question is about 2020. What insights have you gained from the events in 2020? That innovation is so important in all areas of our life, personally and professionally, that tomorrow is never promised. We don't know what it looks like. And it's important to live true to who we are every single day. I've learned the importance of relationships, support circles, and really being available for people who need a shoulder or virtually need an ear and just really being present. Talk to me about the greatest misconceptions about writing and storytelling. Absolutely. I believe that not everybody realizes how valuable the story is that they have inside of them. And I believe that people think it needs to be on this huge macro traumatic level where we live stories every single day. And those little stories are so much more relatable than for example, catastrophic ones, and that by sharing our story, whatever that looks like in all aspects of whether it be spiritually, health and wellness, our mindset, our overcomings, our triumphs, whatever the case is, that there's a story in there every single day. And I believe that we're doing people a disservice not sharing it. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? To live our best life whatever that looks like for us and not living with regret and just believing that all things are possible. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? Understanding. Understanding of one another, where people come from, where they don't come from, their experiences, their emotions. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? finally. Wow. <laughs> to be free, I believe, is being afforded with options and choices that we can choose, again, that are best for us. So again, whether that be personally, professionally, whichever area of our lives, that freedom is really that, that privilege and that ability for choices. Do you practice any form of spirituality? Uh, it's only recently I've been exploring more of the world of meditation. Um, I've always been a great deliverer of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not always the best receiver of it, but I do believe that it's important to find the right person that you connect with, again, whether it be in person or virtually, uh, that really fills that need for you. So if there's any form of spirituality that I practice, and again, very new, I would be meditation. You wrote the book, The Light Bulb Moments Journal, your guide to experience clarity and light up the world. I love that. It's very light even to read the title. It's beautiful. So how did you become a writer? And what was the inspiration and also the intention of writing this book? So I've been writing as long as I can remember, even into my latency, late latency years. And when I started 
writing full-time over the past five and a half years, it's been in the capacity of a storyteller, more so as a ghostwriter for other people. And with my great friend Tim, uh, in 2020, one of those innovative years, we were working on a different project that as a result of everything that happened, um, we needed to shift a little bit. And journaling has always been a huge passion of mine and something I've, I've really encouraged the youth that I worked with years ago, adults that I work with now, that journaling is such a powerful tool. And as you mentioned, for healing um, and great ways of really identifying patterns and why we do things and why we think things and feel things and all of that. So we decided that one of the biggest hiccups, if you will, the response that we were getting from our community was that they didn't know where to start. And they would look at a blank page and weren't really sure just how to, you know, pen to paper intimidates a lot of people. <laughs> and, you know, we knew that there was a need and we put together a couple uh, guides for people that were super helpful and the community asked for more and we wanted to deliver on that promise. So when we created the Lightbulb Moments Journal, it was a direct reflection of the community of more than a thousand people that we've been working with on mindset and we wanted to be able to deliver that for them. Talk to me about the light bulb moment. How would you describe the moment like this? That moment of clarity, that something, whether it be coming from your subconscious to your conscious or something that you've seen over and over again and it just didn't click or it didn't resonate all of those other times yeah. and then having that moment of realization. Would you say it's a moment of understanding clarity that leads to a practice on whatever we have learned and gained, the insights we yes. gained? Ideally, you will take action on those insights for sure. And talk to me for a moment about the chapters. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven chapters. And the first one, me, myself, and I, that remind me of a movie. <laughs> so talk to me about if you can, each one of them, the intention and the purpose of each chapter or some of the content in it. I did not have access to the content. Sure. So that, that chapter is designed with a variety of different quotes and journal prompts that really help people look very introspectively. So really looking at themselves, things that make them happy, things maybe that they enjoy doing, um, and then digging a little bit deeper, because that was something that was really important for us in creating the Light Bulb Moments Journal is that the prompts, although some of them are surface, many of them will push people to dig a little bit deeper. So throughout that chapter, it's really about looking inside and deep inside um, and really about that authentic happiness for sure. Right. Oh, I love that idea of authentic happiness. Do you connect happiness to joy, Catherine, or they are somehow different? I would connect the two. Uh, I picture, however, visually, I picture joy as one of those, an action. Maybe it's jumping for joy, if you will, <laughs> <Right>. where <laughs> happiness, I think, we, you know, we wear with a smile or a laugh. The third one, my heart strings. Talk to me about that chapter, the inspiration for that chapter. So the inspiration behind my heartstrings is really identifying the things that really pull on our heart. <laughs> so it's the relationships that we have with ourselves, um, but also the relationships we have with others. 
and whether it be family, friends, romantic relationships, or otherwise. And again, it's just those, you know, we hear people describe as those warm and fuzzy feeling, or, you know, I'm have tears in my eyes because I'm, I'm happy or I'm, you know, they're happy tears. And this, that particular chapter, the prompts, and again, the quotes included in that are really having people identify the things that really warm up their heart and make them feel good. What are some of your favorite quotes in the book? Do you have them? Probably all of them. I love yes, anything I by, um, <laughs> yeah, there's a handful in there that are unique, if you will, to Tim and I. So I might be a little bit biased on, on those, but really as far as dreaming big, um, my quote in there and something that I stand by that we opened up this conversation with was use your voice and make an impact. I love the quotes by Maya Angelou and Frank um, because I think a lot of them, I shouldn't say that, I believe all of them speak to a different purpose. They all have a different tonality to them because we knew that not every quote was going to resonate with every person, but we believe that there's a little bit of something in there for everybody. This is uh, journals, they really come across to me as a, a self-love practice or a self-care practice. So talk to me about the difference between self-love and self-care, if you see any. I do. I believe self-care is in the action that we take. And I believe self-love is that feeling and that emotion that we feel as a result of that self-care. And I also wonder why it's uh, such a challenging practice, self-love and self-care for some of us. Do you know why? I'd like to believe it's because we believe in some way, shape or form, we're conditioned to believe that we should be putting other people first. And we identify with great characteristics as far as being a caregiver, someone who looks after one another, you know, another person, someone who's there for everybody. And as a result of that, we forget to be there for ourselves. Yeah. And I also often ask the question about how do we learn to balance loving ourselves and others at the same time? Have you found that equilibrium, that middle path? <laughs> well, balance is a little bit of a myth in my world. Mm, right. um, but, but having said that, I believe that in order to give others our best, we need to be our best. So it's we can't pour from an empty cup. And I know I'm cliche in saying some of these things that we've all heard before, but I believe that when our cup is overflowing, naturally it flows into others. And that's so much more powerful because if we're not our best, we can't possibly give others our best, even though that's what we believe that we're doing. So the work is really on self-knowledge, self-awareness, isn't it? Yes, it starts with us. And you do mention in your um, the blog, you have a blog post on the light bulb moments, and you have some strategies, tools and strategies. Of course, journaling, it's one of them. Journal, journal, journal. You say it three times. <laughs> Just do it. And I agree a thousand times. And you also talk about uh, creating powerful mantras and affirmations. So talk to me about them. I don't personally, I don't use them for some reason. So I'm wondering, why do you find them to be powerful? Because I believe that we're very easy to put negative self-talk 
into our, in between our ears. So when we're mindful of what we're putting in between our ears, I believe that affirmations are such a great place to start. And even though they can feel super uncomfortable when we first start doing them, we start to believe what we hear. And that's where my personal belief of affirmations is, is incredibly powerful for people, even if they're using the same ones over and over, looking yourself in the mirror, depending on where you view your weaknesses, finding affirmations that pair that, but on a positive side, can really help curb that belief. Are there different, the mantras and affirmations, Catherine? Yeah, so in the journal, there's a step-by-step process on how to write that mantra. And that really can just be a short sentence, very similar to the affirmations, but something that it's almost speaking things into existence. Mm. Could you give me an example of a mantra and then an affirmation? So we can. Sure. So an affirmation would be something as simple as I am beautiful. I am smart. I am wonderful. Every affirmation should start with I am. Where a mantra would be, again, a little bit more complex, a sentence or two, but including the affirmation. So I believe that or I am smart and I'm going to go on and accomplish X, Y, and Z. Mm. And then set boundaries. That's another one that you mentioned here. Talk to me about the importance of setting boundaries. We have to protect our own peace. And often we don't realize the amount of time, energy, emotion that people can take from us. And if we're not very clear with our boundaries. And of course, they're going to look different for everybody. Um, But if we notice that we are disturbing our peace as the result of somebody else, somebody else's actions, even how somebody else speaks to us, then it's really important to get very clear in a lot of ways what you will and will not tolerate in your own life. That is uh, has been a challenge for me my entire life. And it still is, especially saying no to family members. So how can we make that easier, the process of saying no in a kind way, if possible? Yeah, I don't know that it's ever going to be an easy process, but it is simple in a sense of the more we do it, when we set effective boundaries with other people, two, one of two things are going to happen. One, they're going to learn to respect it and stop taking that time or energy or emotion or what have you, where on the other side, they may just not be your people, <laughs> you know, and, it, but a lot of ways when it's people that are su- super close to us, as you mentioned, your family and your husband, I'd like to believe they want what's best for you. And as a result, they'll start to, I would hate to use the word conform, <laughs> yeah. but they'll start to respect <laughs> that boundary. And as a result, may even begin to set their own. So, yeah, they will learn from us. That's an interesting um, component that I didn't think about it. In some cases, it's important to understand that letting go will happen. Some people will distance themselves from us because, yeah, we are trying to set boundaries and they will choose not to be respectful. And then it's important to let go. Um, Would you say that could happen, Catherine? Yes. Absolutely. And it's an unfortunate side effect of boundaries, but I believe that it helps us and empowers us in the long term. 
Yes, and I agree. And another question that I often ask is the difference between letting go and giving up. Sure. One almost feels the letting go almost feels on a positive end where the giving up for me feels on a negative end. And because there can be so many different variables to that, but I believe letting go again is, is about protecting our peace, is about looking after ourselves, is about loving ourselves. We're giving up those, again, that negative Nancy in between our ears creeps in and convinces us that we can't do something. And I believe that's where giving up comes in. And another tool that you mentioned earlier was the practice of mindfulness. So you have been practicing that yourself. Talk to me how you practice mindfulness and how do you suggest we do it too? Oh, well, mindfulness is such a broad topic. Um, but for me, a lot of that was really living with intention. And I'll just share a quick story with you. Um, just over five years ago, I was in excruciating pain in my back. I walked into an emergency department and 30 minutes later, I was paralyzed from the waist down and I ended up undergoing emergency spinal surgery a couple days later. Um, and then a number of weeks in hospital followed by months of, um, rehab. And thankfully I'm able to walk again, but it's amazing how deep we need to look into ourselves when we're faced with what I'd like to describe as, as some type of adversity. And, you know, thankfully I was able to, to rehab a hundred percent. I'm, I'm walking again. And, and, but as a result of that journey and as a result of, you know, the darker side of coming off of narcotics, if you will, from the surgery and just the roller coaster of emotions that it's when I really started appreciating every single moment. And if there's one thing that mindfulness, whether it be, it was through some of the books that I was reading, The Power of Now is among my top books, absolutely, for anyone really looking to live in the present. Um, again, more recently was meditation for me, but it was the journaling. It was being finding a reason every single day to be grateful. I started different practices as far as before I go to bed every night, I write 10 things I'm grateful for um, just on a, on, on a notepad because I have journals everywhere. Um, and then starting the morning by reading that list. And it was just, again, instilling different self-care practices in my own life that I believe translate through the mindfulness, especially having gone through that experience personally a handful of years ago now. Did you ever find the cause for that back pain? Um, what we do know is a disc broke in my back and lodged itself behind my spinal cord. And that was the reason for the paralysis. When it comes to healing, do you always connect emotional healing to physical healing? Or sometimes emotional healing can come before physical healing? I believe our, it starts with our emotional healing. Me too, <laughs> which I call it actually spiritual healing, <laughs> um, going a little further, because I really see everything as energy or spiritual, subjective, not really objective. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but it makes sense that emotions are yeah, deeply connected with the spiritual realm. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book, in your journal? 
Um, I don't have the journal in front of me while we're chatting. I apologize for that. Um, but I do want to say that the response that we've received thus far from the light bulb moments journal has just been absolutely incredible. I believe that it was the real intention of why we put the journal out was helping people not just experience those light bulb moments, um, but really to take things a step further because a lot of the content that we see out there, and I'm sure um, you can relate to this is very surface. And there's a lot of why we should do things, but not how we should do things. And it's just been an, an absolute privilege to deliver um, this journal uh, to our communities and, and internationally now. And, you know, it's afforded me the privileges of connecting with incredible people like yourself. So I appreciate that so much. So I have a few more questions, the ending questions, I think four of them. How do you define success these days, Catherine? What is to be successful to you? To be happy. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I know that just seems so <laughs> short and simple, but, you know, we look at different ways of gauging success. And, and again, that can look so different for everybody else. But when you are rich in happiness, it just, it can take you to places that you never believed possible. And I agree, especially when it comes from inner peace. I always try to go within and find that contentment for life, exactly in acceptance the way it is, so I can express happiness. So yeah, it makes sense to me that the, mm -hmm. <laughs> that the manifestation of inner peace would be happiness and joy, right? And uh, my other question is, what was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? Wow. <laughs> the hardest lesson I've had to learn about myself is that it's okay to not always need to be right. Um, I definitely suffered from a, being a perfectionist. Maybe it's as a result of being an overthinker. <laughs> um, but having said that, I've I've learned that we can learn so much from other people. And sometimes if we just quiet ourselves and open our ears, um, that that's probably the most valuable lesson that I've learned along the way. Mm -hmm. Yes, that I can relate to, of course. <laughs> uh, two more questions. If you sure. knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? No. Um, again, it'll, I believe a lot of that relates back to my experience a handful of years ago that we never know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what the next moment brings. And it's why it's so important, in my opinion, to just live every day as if it were your last. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? I know that... I have control of how I react to things. So control of myself, whether it be emotions, decision-making processes, or what have you. I know that life is a beautiful place when we stop for a moment and are really present in the moment that we're living in. And oh, third one. <laughs> um, gosh. It's just such an incredible place. I feel like I summed all that up in just that one one piece. But really being being life is about being present and it's about being intentional. 
And it's about finding that true, authentic happiness that is inside of everybody. And, um, and life will do incredible things for you when you believe that it can. Thank you very much, Catherine, for your beautiful presence, um, authentic wisdom, your work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Absolutely. I encourage anyone listening to check out the lightbulbmomentsjournal.com. And that's where you get access to the journal, but then an abundance of resources and and free bonus material that we put together uh, to pair with this journal. And my own personal website is katherinenickel.com. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now, Catherine. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Catherine Nickel and her work, please visit katherinenickel.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>